This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS Radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there, too. Welcome to HITS Canine Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. I'm back for our first show of 2023. Took a little bit of time off over the holidays and the beginning of the year. Been out teaching a few classes, and uh, now I'm back getting some podcasts up and going. I've got quite a few good podcasts that uh, will be up and produced and online here pretty quickly. But I'm going to start my first one this year with Mike from Sheepdog Guardian. He's doing a lot of really good stuff. He took over for uh, Terry Fleck for caninefleck.org after Terry's passing, and he's really taken the torch and ran with it. So I wanted to bring him on, and we're going to talk a little bit about the partnership we're going to do where we're going to have him as a very regular guest doing some updates on important topics. But without further ado, I'm going to go to that very first show for the year, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. And here comes Mike from Sheepdog Guardians. Welcome to It's Canine Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today, I have a special guest with me. It's a gentleman that I've been trying to uh, kind of hook up with for quite a while, but he's uh, very busy, and I kind of want to let him get settled into to his uh, new role. Um, this is Michael Kamisic, and he's the one who took over for Terry Fleck a couple years ago uh, and has just jumped in with both feet. I know he's doing a tremendous amount of seminars around the country, keeping up a gigantic website that uh, Terry had started. And he's been real busy, so for the last, uh, I think he's been doing it a couple of years now, I've been kind of just letting him settle in. and But I've been looking forward to, for quite a while, having him on the show and maybe starting a, a partnership with him that we're going to talk about today, where we're going to have him on as a regular guest doing some uh, updates based off of all of his research and his training that he's doing. So with that, I would like to just maybe give the microphone to Mike for a few minutes and let Mike kind of explain who he is and uh, how he got to where he is. So, uh, Mike, uh, good morning, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, I know you're super busy, and uh, if, if you could just take a few minutes and kind of talk about who you are and uh, what you have going on, which is quite a bit of things. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me, Jeff. Uh, it is an honor and a privilege to be here with you. Um, so, yeah, for those of you who don't know me, um, I took over for Terry Flack with Canine Legal Updates and Opinions after his passing in uh, 2019. Um, I am an active law enforcement officer, active canine handler. I think I'm going to be completing my 28th year in law enforcement uh, this year. Uh, I kind of started out as one of those cop geeks growing up, always wanted to be the police. And uh, so, you know, in high school, I was introduced to the uh police explorer program that uh, one of our local communities had. So um, kind of jumped in there. And um, after that, after I graduated high school, I went to uh, University of Illinois at Chicago and uh, found out at that moment in time, you know, school was not for me. So I came back and uh, got hired on uh, our local police department as a civilian, what we call community service officers, sure. 
you know, doing like uh, parking complaints and handling um, some minor crashes and um, animal stuff and, you know, doing stuff that the cops didn't want to do. Sure. And, uh, so I did that for like four years and then I got hired on by the department that I currently work at just uh, outside the Chicago, the city of Chicago, but in the Chicago metro area. And so I've been uh, with them for the last 24 years, and I've been working a dog, multiple dogs, for the last uh, 18 years. And uh, one of the my interests always uh, was and is to this day is uh, search and seizure and case law. And um, more specifically, really into the uh, use of force side of things. And uh, so I became a uh, an instructor in use of force and... Um, from there, I kind of moved into firearms and uh, uh, rifle, handcuffing, defensive tactics, um, chemical munitions, less lethal, you know, all of the yeah, yeah. use of force side of things. And really, um, while I was just instructing locally on these issues, um, I really continued my search and seizure uh, interests and uh, went to every search and seizure class, became very close with several attorneys up here, very prominent attorneys in the Chicago area that did police training on search and seizure and things like that. And what I realized as I started going out, um, I realized that there really is, um, to an extent, a lack of understanding on these search and seizure issues, and they, they get us into to trouble when we get into court, whether it be criminal you know, in a criminal yeah, trial, yeah. whether it be on a, uh, a use of force incident. And so um, I really kind of uh, took that up as my passion is try to bring uh, these issues related to use of force and the dog, when I became a dog handler, into um, teaching officers, you know, at least the theories, you know, what are the rules yeah. related to and seizure and how do we apply those on the street in these situations that are tense uh you know uh tense uncertain and rapidly evolving and i kind of equate it to firearms i mean we all know um our, as much as we want to say that our brains can uh, we can multitask we cannot we, the, we, the human brain just doesn't work yeah exactly we can only attend to uh, one thing. We can really attend our attention to one thing in particular, and then um, there might be some peripheral things that we can attend to at the same time, but it's hard to do that. So if you think about uh, firearms training, right? We're down on the range. Uh, we have a static uh, paper target that's not shooting at us. Yeah. So what, what is the goal and objective there, right? We're working on grip. We're working on draw. We're working on sight alignment. We're working on trigger pull. Yeah, and muscle Very memory. Fast, right, yeah, muscle memory things. And so what we try to say, teach in that is, is you need, that, that has got to be second nature to you because you cannot attend to that in an officer-involved shooting, right? I mean, it's a very dynamic, tense situation. If you have to attend to those tasks, you will not be able to uh, attend to the threat, right? Yeah. So, and I try to equate that back to the search and seizure issues, right? So officers really have to have a good understanding of these issues and the theories and how to apply them because um, you have to, 
you are going to be, have to do that in a moment's notice on the street in many cases, right? So it's yeah. got to be second nature. You, so your brain's not attending to that because it's so ingrained into your head, you just know it. And so I kind of made it that mission um, to go out there and and uh, really, because my passion is canine, I sure. being a handler. So um, that's kind of, and, and Terry Fleck became uh, my hero, my idol, um, as it related to all of that. And we just became very, very close friends and would um, talk back and forth uh, on a my rate of different issues related to canine as they started to come up. And uh, when I attended his last class uh, in Illinois, and uh, he had told us that that, that was going to be his last class because he, he could not travel. Yeah. Uh, right. And yeah. Um, so we really started working uh, together. Um, and he's like, look, we, we need somebody um, who can go out there. There's not many people doing it. And, you know, eventually I'm not going to be here anymore. Yeah. And I would like my website to continue on. And I'd like the teachings to continue on. And um, asked me if I would, you know, consider doing it. And I said, uh, well, again, it would be a, an honor sure. to try to fill those big shoes. Um, so that's kind of how I, I how I took over for Tyrion is is a sad thing because um, he was actually talking to his webmaster uh, at the time, um, the day that he died. Oh and wow! Actually, uh, emailed uh, his webmaster and said, um, "Get get Mike on the phone because it's the end." And I thought, oh wow, that's. You know, so that's kind of where we're at here. Let's, um, let me just jump in real quick, though, because, you know, we have a lot of new handlers in, in our industry and some of them because you've had this now for a couple of years. Uh, just, let's just talk about Terry for just a minute. I knew Terry pretty well, obviously, uh, you know, over the years. Do you know what year he started CanineFleck.org? Gosh, it, it was in the early. It was in the when he actually started. It was in the I want to say. I want to say early 2000s, yeah, but I know I, it's, it's Yeah, it's, it's funny. I don't remember not having it. You know, it was around Yeah, so 2008 in that, that, that area there. Yeah. And uh, um, for those, for the people who are listening that, you know, weren't really familiar with Terry, he kind of started this. And I remember like when I was a brand new handler in the, like the mid nineties, we had a sergeant who I thought was kind of innovative that he would research some case law and he'd print out some of the, the stuff that he could get on it off the you know internet. And the internet wasn't even that great, you know, in 96, 97, but he'd, he'd have some stuff. And then on training days, each one of us uh, on a rotating basis, he'd give us a case and we'd have to kind of read through the case, highlight some stuff. And then the next training day, we had to sit there and talk about it. And um, it was a, it was an exercise that, lo- that was lost when he left the unit. And I always thought it was a, a smart thing to do because it actually, um, you know, like at that time, we paid lip service a little bit to case law and we'd listen to what our DAs told us to do about search and seizure. But not many people that I knew were really researching a lot of the case law. We'd read it here oh, or there. So yeah. it, it was a way to kind of make us uh, kind of think about it. And that was coming from... Uh, several of our uh, trainers and stuff had been through the uh, Utah Post 
canine school, you know, even though we're in Colorado, we're pretty strong uh, with the Utah Post. So that's always been something that Utah Post has pushed a lot. But we kind of fell away from that as a unit. And then I know, you know, sometime in the 2000s, you know, when the wet, when Terry Flex website popped up, I remember I subscribed right away. And it was like from the very beginning, it was just this treasure trove of, of information. And, you know, I know like the first thing that seemed that everybody wanted to look at was FLSA to check their dog care, you know, and make sure they're getting paid correctly. And that would be like the, the common one. And then, you know, you could sit there and start digging through and seeing cases. And, and the amazing thing was, is um, I had the magazine at the time and uh, Terry would write articles for me, but I don't know anybody that if you called Terry, that he wouldn't answer the phone and talk to you and give you, give you some advice. And, and the guy must've worked 20 hours a day for, you know, the last 20 years of his life, I think, trying to put all that together and definitely wanted to um, make our industry better and definitely did make our industry better, I would say. So the fact that uh, you were able to kind of grab the reins and, and keep it going as healthy as you have is is a testament to you, too, because I can only imagine the amount of work that, you know, this is taking to, to keep moving forward on it. It, it is. Uh, well, I, first of all, thanks very much for your kind words. But uh, it is. And he he would tell me all the time, Mike, it is a labor of love. It yeah. is a labor of love. And um, and I agree. <clears throat> um, it is. And it, it is. It takes so much work to keep up with, uh, to keep the website updated. And, um, you know, same thing. You yeah. Know, call or supervisors call and say, hey, can you direct me to a particular case or can you um, talk to our DA? Can you talk yeah. to our, our attorney about this and, you know, maybe help them out? And, you know, the, the attorneys are very, very <clears throat> um, well-intentioned, but many of them um, who are defending our, our canine handlers or our officers, or they might be, you know, well-versed in civil rights, use of force issues, but when you throw the dog in there, then it's a, you know, it's yeah. a different game. may not be so knowledgeable in those areas. So um, I do work with attorneys all the time, um, you know, kind of um, helping them, you know, to certain case law yeah. and things like that. And, yeah. It's just so, such a, a great depository for all things canine. That um, so I want to make sure we throw it out there. It's sheepdogguardian.com. If you you know if you for some reason you've not heard of it or or haven't looked at it, um, we'll give the website several times. But get on there and check out sheepdogguardian.com because if there's a canine question you have, you join up and you can research all the different cases, um, get a whole lot of answers. And it's um, I, I think no matter what type of dog you handle. This should be something that, you know, you should you should be a part of. Yeah. So we um, so on the uh, note, so we do we compile all the case law um, related to uh, canines um, and break them down not only by court jurisdiction, whether you're uh, in the federal court of appeals, which is where most of our yeah. dog bites are going to be at, or if you're looking at state court, so you can go to your state, look up your state specific cases and then we break them down by dog discipline so it makes it more easier for you to find whether you're working a patrol dog or whether you're working a narcotic dog the narcotics we break down even further you know um are we talking about vehicles are we talking about hotels motels are we talking about alerting issues um so we break it down like that and we have our explosives um dogs 
case law, not a lot out there on that, but there is. There's yeah, some. there's some. Yeah. Um, and, you know, our search and rescue, um, acceleration, uh, accelerant dogs. So we try to keep track and just compile all of that into one place for, you know, for officers. Um, even the civilian side of things on the search and rescue, um, cadaver dogs. Um, so if they can get in there and, and find what they're looking for, you know, relatively easily, um, you know, and then my my whole thing is is we want to reduce and mitigate liability, and we want to be able to win our cases, our drug cases in court. And the way we do that is through education, right? And yeah, I think that's a that's a big thing. And what you were just talking about, what an innovative, you know, at the time in the you know in the mid late nineties, people aren't talking about case law, yeah. you know, to to get that out there and talk about it in your training groups, you know, so that was really innovative, I think, and a great, great idea. It was, and, and I'm, I'm sorry that, and then even when I became the, the trainer of the unit, I did not, you know, keep that up, and I, I you know, looking back, I should have, because, but what it did, you know, as a brand new dog handler, it laid that foundation in my mind as to the importance of understanding how, you know, this whole industry evolves all the time, not just in not just in training and you know the selection of dogs and everything else. The case law is changing. The courts are changing. Public opinion is changing, and uh, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit today. About you know some of the stuff on your radar, and I think uh, you know laying that kind of foundation to a young handler for me was was very innovative to just to, to open my eyes and realize that just because I have the leash in my hand now, I'm far from done. You know, it's a continuous process of education. Oh, for sure. I remember graduating um the basic handler class with my first dog and jumped on the interstate coming back from our graduation ceremony and i'm just i'm, I'm driving back and i'm looking at this dog in the back of my car and i'm like what the hell <laughs> yeah <laughs> what am i doing you know yeah. uh, where do we go from here you know yeah. so um i've kind of made it my mission um to at least try to help and and really to make the industry better and, and to really carry on um, what Terry started because he really did. Uh, he really did start that whole process, sure. and I wanted to continue that, and not just continue it, but to grow it and um, to make it um, even better from what yeah. he had. And you know, it's kind of like your, you know, your kids. You want them to do better than 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 yeah. you. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I'm taking, trying to take this is, you know, um, he did this, let's carry it on and, and make it even uh, bigger and better than what, um, what he did. The problem is, is that, you know, being an active, yeah. man, an active police officer myself, yeah. um, I, I, I got to retire so that I can actually have time <laughs> to do the thing yeah. that I want. But there's not enough days in the day to get done what I want to get done. Yeah, I know that feeling. I, I definitely understand that. So let's stay with the website for just a minute. I know when Terry had it, and I used to talk to him, he basically would go to the the library and uh, you know just live at the library for weeks at a time, looking at all the the new published cases and stuff. Is that kind of how? I mean, how are you going about just keeping the website uh, up and and uh, updated all the time? Yeah, um, great question. So um, he did use a um, couple of different law libraries, LexisNexis and, uh, and Westlaw. And um, so when I first took over, we did continue using those libraries. Um, now we're using a, a law library um, called Case Text. And what basically I do every single day is I do a Boolean search 
Um, so I'm looking through any and all cases across the United States that deal with um, the letter K and 9 or uh-huh. K9 spelled yeah. out or dog or bloodhound or K-9. So I'm doing this. Yeah. This sort of, it will pick up every case um, that has any of those terms in it. So, you know, I, I'm getting, you know, you get like a, just a ton of cases that come out because it's, it's not police specific because sure. if I do that, it'll be too narrow of a search. Yeah. So we're getting, um, you know, uh, any, any case that has any reference to dog in it, canine, any like that. So then I have to sift through all of those cases and throw out the ones that, you know, uh, don't apply and then um, keep the ones that do apply. Yeah. And... Um, what I try to do is, because a lot of these canine cases, as you know, Jeff, they deal with a lot more issues um, than just the dog-related stuff. Sure, yeah. And um, so what I try to do is when I, uh, I go through the cases is I try to just pull out the actual dog-related issues. Um, and now if there are other issues that have some significance constitutionally or you know for the you know officer's job whether even if it's not dog related i try to just pull out those important information and and um kind of write it so that or or write it so that the uh handlers don't have to sit there and read the entire yeah yeah no it's a lot for for it's a, it, it's a lot for anybody to try to read through all of these things. So if I put out, you know, 25 cases, you know, how many people are going to want to read, you know, 25 cases that are 30, you know, yeah, pages? Exactly. So yeah. I just try to summarize the actual canine issues or any other constitutionally important issues for the officers um, to kind of give that Reader's Digest version of it. And then what we do is I will link um, the case after, you know, with yeah. my summary, I'll link the case so that if the officer did want to go and read the entire case, they can click the link and then it'll go to the, um, you know, it'll pull up the, uh, the full entire version of the case so they could read, read the whole thing themselves. Sure. Just my things. And then try to put out, cause anytime, a an appellate court really is, um, reviewing a case, they're, they're, answering very specific questions you know that's what they're seeking to answer yeah um so at the top of the cases i I put out what are these issues what are the issues in this particular case or at least as they are relevant to uh, uh, the canine issues so you can see immediately okay is this a case that i i'm interested in um you know i'm a patrol dog handler i'm looking for a patrol dog case oh this is a narcotic case okay so it's not applicable to me um so that's kind of how we start out all of our cases and, um, you know, it, it takes, it takes time to go through that sure. and, and everything. One thing I did add, um, after I took over for Terry is, uh, the, uh, lower district court cases at the federal level. Now I'm no longer writing those. I'm just simply linking those sure. because there are so many of yeah. them. Um, and for the most part, they don't hold, they're kind of nice to know cases or rather than necessarily need to know cases. So, but, but at least they're there. And the reason I started to do that, and I think I went down a rabbit hole, um, because at first I started writing them. I'm like, there's no way I can keep up with all of this by myself. It's these lower court cases. And, um, so I just started to link them. I said, you know, if I was a, 
an officer and I'm getting sued at the federal level or I'm going before a particular judge on a motion to suppress, I would like to know how that judge has previously ruled. What are the, sure. what is this kind of looking for? And you'll find those little uh, hints within the opinions that they've written. So I thought I'm going to put these on here. That way, at least the officers will have the resource if they wanted yeah. to, they can go and, and they can kind of look at this. Um, so we started to do that as well, but all the appellate um, cases, whether at the state level uh, or at the federal level, I do for the most part, right, kind of pick out those uh, canine related issues or those important search or seizure yeah. issues and then we write them up. And then again, like I said, we link them so the officers and supervisors can um, just, if they wanted to read it, they can read, read sure. the whole thing. And is this, uh, how many, like on an average, how many cases are you putting up a week? Well, it does depend. Um, but usually we're probably in the range of, in a week, 30 to wow. 40 cases. Um, in that, kind of in that range there. And a lot of those are the district court cases. Yeah. But, um, at the state level, trying to keep track of all the states is, uh, it's, it's oh, difficult. Yeah. States have tremendous, a lot more case law than others. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then, and then you have, you know, specific issues you start to, to see pop up in these, um, these particular state, uh, state courts. Um, and so I try to link those cases together, um, as well. So like, <clears throat> um, if the court uh, is talking about another case in their opinion, you know, they're using another case to rely, yeah. or they're relying on another case to support their opinion. Um, if I don't have that, or, you know, it wasn't in Terry's database, yeah. it's not in our database, I'll go back and write it and then we'll link it actually together. So yeah. as you read it, you can go ahead and, and read that case. That's, that's kind of how, um, I do them. If I'm reading reading something and I I'm like, oh, I'm not familiar with that case. I'll go read that case so that I, I get a better understanding sure. of you know, this, what the court is looking at. This is how they're kind of interpreting and analyzing um, this particular situation. I tell you, so, what, yeah, what you just it, said though, it makes so much sense to me because I had really never, I, to be honest, I never thought about reading the lower federal court opinions just to see to, to kind of research the judge that you're going to be working with so i mean I, I don't know why i never thought about that but that's i think uh, would be well worth the time if you're if you're heading to court oh yeah no absolutely and especially like um uh, um i i consult with a lot of these attorneys or um yeah. i've been asked to write expert opinions on certain matters in federal court and um, as soon as i, I want to know who is the judge and then i first thing i do is i go back and read any opinions that this judge has written um that related to canine um because i'd like to get an understanding as to you know how this judge views yeah. canine related issues or views certain issues that may be relevant to the case that um you know i may have to uh you know maybe writing an opinion on or something like that so um i i just think it's helpful i mean absolutely you know i don't think a lot of people um realize that we started putting those cases on there so um but we did. Yes. Yeah. And I'm trying to keep up with those. So, so just just what you're describing, um, the like I said, the, the amount of work, and then you take all of that work, and I know you're traveling a lot and doing. Uh, are they uh, one one and two day classes, or mostly? Uh, but our most popular class is a two day class. Two day class. Uh, yeah, it's a patrol narcotic um, is the most popular. Yeah. 
And in that class, we talk about, um, you know, I, I, the way I look at it is, is learning should be on a building block to an extent, right? So what's the foundation? And then we can build upon that, right? So that's kind of how I do all my classes is let me lay out some foundational things and then we're going to build upon that. We're going to apply the dog or we're going to insert the dog in some of these um, these things. We talk a lot about uh, canine industry standards as it relates to training, certification. Um, Those are kind of the the general topics that we want to get in initially. And to explain to these officers um, about binding uh, versus persuasive authority. So what courts do you absolutely have to listen to and what courts are, um, have more persuasive, um, value. Sure. Um, so I kind of just kind of lay that, um, out like at the beginning of the class. And then we go into our, um, general discussion about industry standards and things like that. And then how do we apply that specifically? And then I try to lay, and I, and then I always start with our seizure issues and seizure issues are always going to, um, or for the most part, at least in the canine, are going to relate to patrol dogs. Although yeah. there are some seizure issues related to narcotics, or um, but for, for the most part, where we're going to get into trouble is on our seizure issues related to force and our patrol dogs. So try to lay out that foundation first. Okay, what are the standards that we're looking for? You know, Graham versus Connor, Tennessee versus Garner, and how does that relate? Yeah. And then we start going into the specifics as to how, um, wherever it is I'm teaching, um, let's say um, I'm in Colorado, you know, where you're at, a class up there um, this past year. So I'm going to look at, so we're going to look at um, in those topics then, once we get over kind of the the generalized Graham versus Connor and Tennessee versus Gunner, now we're going to start to look at, well, how does the Colorado sit in the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals? So how does the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals apply those principles to the use of the dog within the 10th circuit court of appeals sure and um so we'll kind of go through all of those cases and then let's look at well how does the state of colorado specifically look at these cases if you're getting in trouble at the state level and so we do that for the seizures and then we do that for search issues also when we get into the our uh our discussion about narcotics and things like that so that is our most popular uh most popular class yeah and those and the, so those are two day classes that you're traveling to, I assume on your days off from when you're not working your regular shift. <laughs> yeah, so we do try to schedule them uh, on my uh, my days off, and you know if I have to take a a vacation yeah. here, and uh, you know for travel, you know traveling is um, sometimes I try to to catch a plane right back immediately after my uh, yeah and, you know, get done with class. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but. Um, yeah, that's what's uh, it's busy. It's a yeah. lot of work. Yeah. I do love it, though. I mean, sure. just to go out and meet um, meet these handlers from all over the country and see the different trainings and yep. you know, things like that. We do a supervisor course. It's starting to become a little bit more popular. It's difficult to get some of these supervisors into um, these classes, yeah. as I'm sure you're aware of. Yeah. Um, so we do a... Uh, uh, an eight-hour supervisory class, which we normally tack on to a two-day. Yeah. And we really do recommend uh, the supervisors come to all three days uh, because they really need to understand um, those those principles we talk about in the two-day. 
And then the, that last day we do is pretty much specific uh, case law and stuff for supervisory, um, yeah. you know, agency liability issues and um, handler compensation, as you said, the FLSA yeah. issues is related to that. So let me ask you a question while we're on that topic, a little bit off off topic, but not really. For the supervisors that you're seeing a, across the country, um, kind of give me what's your level – of interest, I guess what I'm getting at is I see a lot of, you know, I, I travel a lot, teach a lot too. And it's interesting. I'll go and I'll uh, get my, the class I do, the most popular is a uh, three-day e-collar class. And it amazes me how many times I'll go to a, a, another city for three days and work with their handlers doing pretty innovative training. And there's a lot of times where I might see a sergeant for 20 minutes, maybe for a quick introduction. I might not see a sergeant at all. And then other times I, the sergeant's there the whole time asking questions and involved. And it's so across the board, you know, sometimes canine's just an extra duty for a street sergeant. Sometimes it's a dedicated canine sergeant. And, you know, what is, what is your feeling about the competency of the overall, um, you know, supervision of our industry? That's horribly lacking. Uh, <laughs> Uh, to, to just put a sure. blunt, <laughs> it is absolutely horribly lacking. Um, and you know, when you, you start looking at these, and like, you've done extra, I think you've done some extra yes. witness yeah. stuff too. And so, when you start looking and you start getting delving into some of these situations, um, it is glaring to me in many of these that, um, much of these situations arise because of a lack of supervision. Yes. And, and uh, um, either the lack of supervision or there's going to be um, a trainer or vendor issue that comes up or a combination of, you can kind of trace problems right back to those issues. Yeah. And, and uh, so I get it. I, I understand we have agencies that are smaller. They don't, like you said, they're, they, supervisor of the canine unit may be just whoever the road sergeant yeah. is working that particular day they don't really know the canine policy they don't they don't know anything about what this dog does or how it's trained or all of that and um that's a problem i mean that is yep. a, a serious serious problem so we we are start it is starting to like every time we we go to a location and uh we actually do a supervisor class. It's like almost immediate that we get responses from that area for supervisors who were not there. So, yeah. Hey, I heard that you did this, you know, would you be interested to come back or, you know, yeah. um, so that's good that there's yeah. some words through word of mouth, but, um, the, the agencies have got to do a better job of supervising, um, supervising I, their units. I agree. There's I've I've helped a few agencies start canine units, and uh, you know those are like my two of my pet peeves. Is I'm not real big about agencies having to raise money to to feed the dogs and buy the dogs. It's like if you want a canine unit, fund your canine unit, and if you want a canine unit, have some type of system in place where someone's going to be in charge of the canine unit, not just kind of passed around you know as, as an extra duty here or there where, where no one's actually in charge of it it's too high a liability and it's too too big of a you know a, an issue to just make it you know kind of a cute little thing that we can have a, a canine unit you know so i think 
I've seen it get a little bit better, but I do agree that um, I see a lot of supervisors who are not nearly as involved as they should be. And I would not want to be those supervisors when, because of their title, they're sitting in a deposition or in federal court under oath trying to explain, you know, how how the dogs are trained and how they're utilized and, and explain the some, as you know, some of these canine uh, supervisors, when you talk to them about their own policy, they haven't read it. And it's, exactly. it's crazy. It, it is. It is absolutely um, 100% crazy. Um, I agree with you. I mean, you just look at any of these supervisors who might be listening or um, administrators who are listening. You know, all you got to do is look up uh, Campbell versus City of Springboro uh, out of the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, the uh, Sixth Circuit just um, was very, very tough on that agency and their lack of supervision. They're across the board uh, lack of supervision, and they said, you know, because of this lack of supervision of the canine unit, um, these constitutional violations were uh, almost a, a, a foregone con- conclusion sure. that that is what was going to happen because of um, the systemic lack of uh, in failure to supervise um, a one-man canine unit. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's one of those, the you know, times. Like I said, I, whenever I talk to these agencies, I try to explain to them. Here's all the costs up front about having a canine unit, and including it is, you know, some type of actual supervision. And uh, I think that gets, you know, forgotten about. Obviously. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And and I, I'm, Jeff, I I could not agree with you more about the funding of our units. I mean, we don't go out and get donations for our SWAT team. And exactly. <laughs> exactly. Why are we doing that for our canine units? If you want a canine unit, then fund it properly. Um, yeah, they're expensive, but they're well worth it when when it's when when everything's oiled and running smoothly. Um, yeah, it, 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 you you just you're going to get your money's worth. You know, I had a, I, I did a, a a short stint as a, in our planning and research um, department when I was still on the job, and uh, it the one thing that was eye opening to me doing research with a lot of agencies, you know, because I'd get a, a topic and I'd have to, you know, advise the chief's office about whatever the topic came through and everything. But, you know, when we talk about these budgets, even to us, you know, to, to buy the car and buy the dog, you know, you, if, if pick the number, you know, if I want to start a, a single uh, canine unit, dual purpose, you know, a hundred grand or something, and pick that number, it's a decent number in our mind. But even smaller agencies, when you look at their budget, it's not that much money and they can find the money for, you know, they'll buy rifles for the SWAT team or they'll, they'll bring in some trainer to teach some new, you know, crazy class that nobody wants to go to. And they'll pay those people, you know, 50 grand to come for one day. So the money's there. And I don't really know. I think it's because there's so much passion amongst us as handlers that, you know, we want to get it done that we'll go out and, and solicit funds and stuff. But I just never think that's the, the ideal way, maybe to start to get the community involved. But after the, you know, it's up and running, it needs to be a line item budget and, and pay for the pay for it as in a professional way is just get off my soapbox there. But I think you're no, on the same page. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm, I'm on the soapbox with you. My friend. That's for <laughs> So we've gone over the, the website and all the, the, you know, the background, all of it. And then I, I kind of talked at the beginning, but, um, you know, I've talked a little bit. 
what I'm looking forward to is, uh, you know, we're going to get you on here every month and do, you know, most of these podcasts, I keep around 30 minutes and have you hit whatever topic you, you want and you know, just go over the, that, that one important topic and we'll go into a little bit more detail of each one. Um, and we'll start doing that real soon. And I thought today we'll just kind of wind this up with, you know, we're, we're uh, kind of the beginning of 2023. What do you see as some of the, the trends and things that people should be looking out for and the stuff that we're going to be talking about over the next several months? Uh, well, I, that, that is a great question. I, I'm going to say 100%, at least on the patrol dog side of things, um, we're winning um, most of our initial deployments where we are losing um, or we are, where we are getting into problems is this duration of the bite, this proportionality of use of force. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is going to be, I think, a big big ticket item coming up here. And I think, honestly, um, if we don't get that under control as an industry, um, we're going to... I, I think we're going to start losing our patrol dogs. And, you know, I think we've already started to see uh, a trend or at least yeah. a, an attempt to do that. Um, but we, we, we have got to get that, get that under control. Um, and I think I, I really do. I think there's a way to address these topics um, in our training and certification. Sure. sure. And, uh, and, and let's let me just back up for a minute because yeah. that's kind of you know we talk about this duration of the bite, um, but I don't know that um, like you and I have obviously thought about it a lot and stuff. But let's you know what we're talking about is are these body cam videos where maybe the you know everything was good uh, you know the 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 person made their decision to to be in the position they're in to meet one of our dogs and uh, you know everything is fine the deployment's good. The fact that the person is is being bit is fine at that point, but there's a point where that use of force has to stop and has to stop immediately. And in my opinion, that's where we're lacking. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, that's exactly right, on Jeff. And and so the question I was just working a case um, we just completed um, that I got hired as an expert witness in on a dog bite, and the question came up: Well, what does immediate release actually mean? Well, of course. Uh, the plaintiff's experts had a um, kind of a different sure. take on immediate releases than than I did, um, and kind of be honest with you, what the industry does, you know, does, yeah. you know, if you look at the national certification, what does that release mean? What does an immediate release mean? You know, so, um, and then it comes into exactly what you're saying. So once once this person is no longer a threat, I mean, that's the reason we're using this mm-hmm. dog or should be is that this person is a threat. To somebody's safety. Once that person's no longer a threat, um, that dog has to come off. And so, and then, and then the question is, is how does that dog come off? So yeah. we're seeing, you know, like you said, videos of handlers trying to do a, a you know, pick the name, hard out, yeah, off, yeah, whatever. And you know, you see this is going on for forty-five seconds, yep. and so my question becomes, well. Have these handlers been properly trained to physically remove a dog from a bite without for, uh, um, causing further injury to this apprehended suspect, right? Because yeah. that, that's going to be that issue, right? We've seen handlers pull, rip their dog yeah. off, yeah. things like that. That's causing, you know, yeah. or has the potential to cause more serious injury than, than yeah. what otherwise might occur. So 
one of the things I've been pushing over the last maybe year and a half, because I'm always, and I agree, I've always been verbal out, verbal out, verbal out, look at Kerr versus yeah. City of West Palm, Florida out of the 11th Circuit. Um, and that's kind of, you know, which is kind of a foundation really for a lot of things, Kerr versus City of West Palm, yes. Florida. But, and it does talk about this, the oral commands and stuff. And that's kind of where all these national canine uh, associations and these state associations, these certifying authorities kind of went to this verbal out and stuff yeah. like that, which I agree with. We should be able to do that. But what I've been thinking over the last year and a half, it actually came from a, a trainer and a handler on the East Coast. Um, he asked me to review, he was writing a new in-house certification program. And he said, hey, can you just take a look at this? And so I'm reading it. One of so he still had the verbal out, right? The, the yeah. handler needed to demonstrate for certifying purposes that the dog could verbally be removed from the bite. Mm-hmm. But he added um, a section where the handler would need to also physically remove the dog. Yeah. And um, so I like initially I'm like, no, no, yeah. no. Why would you do that, right? And so yeah. we were talking about it, and I'm like, you know what? I, I think, I, I agree, I think as an industry, as part of our certification for these uh, apprehensions, yes, we should be able to demonstrate a verbal out to be certified, but maybe we should be considering adding a physical removal yeah. in front of a certifying authority that can say, this handler demonstrated to me that they were able to physically remove this dog from a bite without further injuring the suspect, whether that be, yeah. you know, whatever the method is, is it a, if you're going to do that hard, that hard, are you going to do an e-collar? Are you yeah. going to do a, a breaker bar? Whatever the method is, but, but the handler was able to demonstrate it was proficient in that. And I think that that would, I think that would help us in these situations. Now, some of these national certification, uh, certifying bodies are giving me a little bit of pushback yeah. on that. And they're like, oh, it's really not our responsibility. And I'm like, no, nah, I, I it is. Think that it, <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, so that's kind of where I'm seeing, okay. at least on that, yeah. that side of things, what we're so, talking about. Um, you know, and if you, you know, you give that dog that out command and that dog doesn't respond, then we have to immediately intervene. Yeah. If, uh, and if that if that means a physical removal properly, then then that's what it is. So I yeah. see that issue coming up. That's, that seems like that's one of the biggest issues, uh, the yeah. the whole duration of the bite, and you know, and and I guess I'll touch on real quick. I I know uh, I've mentioned on this podcast before, and I think you're without ever talking to you before. I'm sure that this, you know, I'm probably on the same page. But you hear these things about you know some of the people are saying you know, case laws for us. So don't worry about us losing police dogs. I worry about us losing police dogs for exactly, mostly this reason. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what the case law says that if there's a body camera video somewhere, you know, and whatever chief sees it, even if it's not his own person or it could be a whole nother state, but some chief sees it and they don't like it with a phone call, that canine unit is done. Period. Agreed. 100%. I, I, I agreed. I could not agree more with you. I think that's spot on. And, and so it, it, I think we are, and I keep saying it on this show that I think we are in a precarious position. I don't think the sky's falling. I just think we need to be more heads up probably than ever and uh, keep this valuable tool. And I think it starts with, you know, like some changes like what you just discussed. So we'll definitely, you know, coming up real soon, probably go 
much deeper into that topic on the uh, drug side of things are you seeing you know any trends in the industry with narcotics dogs yeah so i think there's a couple trends that are coming up that we should be keeping our eye on and, and at least discussing um the biggest one always um and i'm uh, if you look at the narcotic side of things, it's going to be usually it's going to be a seizure issue uh, related to the officer impermissibly uh, extending a traffic stop. Sure. Uh, those are like the number one issues there. And we're starting to actually see some uh, uh, uptick in civil liability related to that, too. So we're not just talking about, you know, the suppression of yeah. evidence in court. This. We're starting to see some some civil liability coming into that. So I see that being an issue as well as marijuana and fentanyl yeah and um you know on the marijuana side of things we in my opinion we've seen a huge knee-jerk reaction oh yeah um to this now you guys in colorado yeah. there um are one of the few states that um had an adverse or several adverse yeah. rulings mcknight and gadbury there yep. people versus McKnight, people versus gadbury but um in oregon in part had an adverse ruling but if you look at generally speaking across the federal uh, court system and across the state court systems um the majority are upholding um yeah. marijuana trained dogs now people read into some of these cases where oh well the the odor of marijuana to the officer is no longer probable cause yes that some a lot of states have said that but a lot of states also have have gone to say even though the odor of marijuana to the officer the human officer is yeah. you know doesn't rise to the level of probable cause the dog alert even if that dog is a marijuana dog that's still good probable cause so i think we see this huge knee-jerk reaction and i'm looking forward to seeing um some uh the study out of florida international university yeah. um that's going to come out um really soon uh related to uh hemp and marijuana yeah and all that um so we see that and then the the next part is is fentanyl what you know what are we going to be doing with fentanyl should we be training our dogs on fentanyl yeah. if so what's the proper training protocol to do that um yeah that'll know, be a great topic how do you do that you know how do you certify on it you know what, yeah. what, what so um i think those are the the, the big sure. items that are coming up in the future with that yeah well i'm really looking forward to this uh it's gonna be a great partnership i'm really looking forward to you know just hitting these these topics and and uh getting you know some of this real valuable information out and uh i, I want to thank you today for coming on i, I think we definitely showed how how busy of a person you are so i appreciate you taking this time this morning to sit down and talk with us and kind of lay out uh, how this is going to go out through the rest of the year but i'm excited about it and it's uh, it's been great talking to you and i'm looking forward to uh you know seeing where this all goes in the next several months i i am too um very excited and um you know, just an honor um to be uh, to be with you jeff so i appreciate it absolutely and let's wrap this up with uh just giving us your website again and how to contact you and how people can make sure they can get all this valuable information online oh sure uh, so it's uh www.sheepdogguardian.com that's our website um it is a uh, annual membership of 50 dollars uh per year uh, if you're looking to either 
um, schedule a seminar or um, you have a general question, we have a contact uh, button up there. Uh, if you just click that. Um, if you are a member, um, it will put on a uh, another icon on there to contact Mike. So that email will come in directly to me. Um, I try as best as I can to get back to our members within uh, 24 hours um, on those emails. <clears throat> Unless, of course, there's something sure. pressing on that um, that need uh, a more immediate response. But I try to get back within 24 hours. Um, so that's where we are. Good. Yeah, I know. I know. Know that you're you're real responsive, and I can only imagine how many emails you get per day. But uh, you're doing great things for the industry, and uh, you know it's people like you. I, I keep saying we're precarious, but it's people like you that are going to be the the guardians of this this valuable tool. And and uh, by you know educating people and and just kind of keeping your you know thumb on the pulse of what the courts are saying, and then pair that with what public opinion is and you know i think we're, we're we're definitely headed in the right direction i i appreciate that Jeff. well i'll look forward to talking to you soon and thank you for your time thank you well i hope you enjoyed this show today uh, it looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun to have mike uh, as a recurring guest going over a lot of these very important topics so we'll be looking forward to those episodes every month or so. We'll get those up and running. Plus, I have quite a few other really good guests lined up that I think you're going to enjoy. As always, if there's a guest or something, that uh, topic that you want to cover, just shoot me an email to jeff at hitsk9.net. Hitsk9.net also is where you would go for all the information for our HITS seminar, which this year will be in Scottsdale in Arizona. And uh, will obviously be the uh, big event that we do this year. But we also do a lot of hands-on training. So we do e-collar classes, detection dog classes, legal update classes from Ted Dows. So lots of stuff on our website at hitsk9.net to see what we're up to and get all the information for our big seminar plus all of our working dog ones. And as always, if you uh, need to reach out to me, want to contact me about any questions or suggestions for the show, just email me at jeff at hitsk9.net. Thanks for listening and be safe out there.